Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Can I start out with a joke today? Goodness, you know, there was a time when I used to tell a joke almost every service, you know. But anyway, you got to go to Facebook to see my jokes every week. But all right, so there's this cocky Department of Agricultural Representative. And he stops by this farm. He talks to this old farmer. And he says to him, he says, I need to inspect your farm. So the old farmer said, you better not go in that field over there. So the agricultural representative says in a wise tone, he says, I'll have you know that I have the authority of the U.S. government with me. Do you see this card? I am allowed to go anywhere I want to on agricultural land. All right, so you're following me? So the old farmer, he goes about and does his, his chores, and, and in a little bit, he, he hears a, a loud scream. And he looks up, and he sees the Department of Agriculture man running for the fence. And close behind was the farmer's prize bull. And the bull was madder than a nest of hornets. And the bull was gaining at every step. Help! The representative shouted to the farmer, what should I do? He screamed this helplessly. Well, the old farmer... He stuck his thumbs in his bibs, and he calls out. He says, show him your card. <laughs> so here's the thing. In life, you need to know who you are. And I would add this. You need to know what your boundaries are. <laughs> okay. Can I pray after that? All right. Father, we just thank you again for this, this time we have together. I thank you, Father, as, as the word comes forth today, that there's freshness, that there's life. And all that comes from you, comes from Holy Spirit. So we're so happy that we can work together with him. Have your way here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have been in a series. We call it Identity Theft. And, and you may wonder, what is this picture? What kind of artwork have they got on the screen now? What is going, who is that guy? Will the real so-and-so please stand up? Well, what this, this picture is, 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 is a graphic uh, illustration of how the world out here can come in and try to take over the world in here. Okay? Do you know what I'm saying by that? Out here, things out here, pressures out here. People out here, reports out here, try to come in and crowd our life and take over our thinking. And really, what they try to do is cause us to be someone that's really not us. And that is called identity theft. All right, I know there's another kind too where they steal your wallet and take your credit cards and try to be you and your social security number, all that. That stuff's real too, but I'm telling you, this spiritually speaking, there's a fight that goes on for you to be who God's called you to be. Do you know that you make a difference in this world? As I look out among the people here today, I'm telling you, there's not one of you that are without significance. There's not one of you that God just doesn't want to live big through and shine through. You know... I, I read the news, or I, I, what do I do? I pull up the internet daily, and I look at news reports and things. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that we live in. And I wish, I wish you could come in this place today, and I would, could stand up here and tell you, 
Don't fear, it's going to get better. Well, I will say, don't fear. But I can't say, it's going to get better. The truth is, we're probably going to hear more and more of these kinds of things. Now, that in itself is a bummer, okay? That could really drag you and I down. But I've got to add this, because here's the freshness, here's the God part. As the world gets darker, you and I are going to get brighter. You and I, when we don't allow things out here, now I'm not saying you're not moved with compassion. That's not at all what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is that we're not moved by things out here to cause us to act and behave different from what's on the inside of us. You hear me? Galatians 2.20 has kind of been a theme of this, this series. And, and uh, it's been a good series. I've learned some things. I know Pastor Stephen taught a couple weeks ago and he, he laid out some tremendous truths. And, and uh, God's just been showing us some things. But, but I tell you, I, even though some of these things I've heard before, I, I, I need to be refreshed in them. I need to hear them again and, and say, okay. How many have looked in the mirror yesterday? Did anybody look in the mirror yesterday? Just by chance, maybe, you looked in the mirror. You know, just because you looked in the mirror yesterday, does that mean you didn't have to look in it today? Everybody's going, oh, did I look in the mirror today? Oh, yeah. I don't need to look in the mirror. I've got Dana. <laughs> Paul. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. All right, Galatians 2.20, it says, this is what Paul, the apostle, said. He said, I was crucified with Christ. Or I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Let's say, can we say that together? I just like saying it. Say it with me. Say, Christ lives in me. All right, let's do it again. But this time, shut your eyes, shut out the world, and let's say it again. Say, Christ lives in me. As you say it, just let it register in your heart. Say, Christ lives in me. You know, something I'm doing, I'm taking times, uh, you know, often through the day, and I'm just trying to quiet myself down. I'm trying to, trying to shut down everything out here and tune in in here. That's what I'm trying to do. Because my, my goal, some of you know this, I, I, my goal is just to, to become an expert at practicing the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God. Now, God's not way out there. He's in here. He's in here. Wow, how would that change the way you live if you had a revelation of that, that God's in you? God's in you. Paul said, man, this is the deal. The old, old Paul, the old apostle, actually in his case it would have been Saul, that guy died the death of the cross, and now there's a new Paul living in me. And he says this, Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in this flesh, I'm still walking around in this body, but I'm doing it, I'm living it, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Gave himself for me. So, you know, I, I look around and see a bunch of believers in the place today, you know. And, but the deal is this. If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. If you're in Christ, man, I, you're the righteousness of God in him. Don't lose sight of that. Don't be robbed of your identity in who you are in him. So, how does your identity get stolen, you know? Well, there's a, there's a bunch of ways, and you got to be aware, and, you know, just, just stay tuned into him is really all we need to do. 
But, but you know, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes, you know, I've found that, that, that people, being around different people can cause, have an effect upon you. Did you ever get affected by peer pressure? No, nobody here. Nobody here ever got peer pressure. You know, I, when I think about peer pressure, I think about growing up and being in, in like middle school. You know, I think middle school was like the sweet spot for peer pressure. You know, you're just kind of going through a lot of changes. You know, for me, you know, we, when I was in middle school, you know, I'd just become, you know, in, our, in my day, you were in sixth grade, you were, that was grade school, uh, kindergarten through sixth grade. And when you're in sixth grade, I mean, you're kind of king of the hill. You know what I mean? You've been in this school for seven years now, and you are the oldest group in that place. And, and you kind of rule is what it seemed like, you know? And then all of a sudden, seventh grade came, and now you're, you're, you're the pipsqueak. Now you're at the bottom of the totem pole. And now, you know, you're going through all these life changes and everything, and, and there's this thing called peer pressure that comes, and it tries to shape you and form you into something, you know, maybe that you aren't. Maybe, you know, you're just trying to fit in. You're trying to find your place. Nobody ever had that ever, ever happen to them. I, I know you guys, just me. But I'm telling you what I've gone through, you know. Sometimes people change, you know, even after middle school, even after high school, even after college, you know. Sometimes people, you know, never lose this peer pressure thing. You know, sometimes people are affected by who they're with. Now, okay, let me qualify. I think, you know, that, that who you hang around with all the time you know, it's probably good if there's somebody that thinks like you, you know? Not everybody I hang around always thinks exactly like me, but, but I tell you, I have my home base that I come back to. And thank God Dana's thinking like me, you know? Just, yeah. There's others too. I thank God I can come to church, you know? And, and, and there's a body here that, that you know, it's, it's my gang. It's my hangout. It's my people. We all support each other. You know, and, and you want to have good relationships there. But you know what? You want to be strong enough that if you get out there and somebody doesn't agree with you 100%, you don't quit being who you are. You don't lose sight of your identity in him. All right. Good preaching, Pastor Paul. Yeah, oh man, yeah, go, go, go. All right, so here's the thing. In all these things, you know, all the encounters that we have in life, simple thing is this. We never want to identify with one thing more than we do with Jesus, okay? You know, in, in, in my family, when I was growing up, my dad always had Ford automobiles. Anybody else like that? I mean, maybe your dad had Chevy automobiles. I mean, we had... We had Fords ever, ever, you know, since I was young, growing up. In fact, I learned to drive in my dad's old 59 Ford pickup. Had the three on the tree, you know. That thing was a tank. We lived on a busy street in North Minneapolis, and one night some car hit the truck, and I am proud to tell you that I came out of that next morning, and there was not one, one you couldn't see anything wrong with the truck, but there was glass everywhere. That other car, man, it got demolished. But that truck, man, and I hit a few things with it in my day, and it, it survived. It was, it was great. 
you know, and, and sometimes, you know, you can identify with these things. And I remember the first time I bought a Chevy. <gasps> We're Ford people, and you bought a Chevy. What do you identify with today? You know, what do you Here, Here's one, too. You know, I, I, I used to be a Coke drinker, okay? You wondered what I did with Coke, right? I used to drink Coca-Cola, okay? And it was like, I was a fanatic about it, okay? And, and, and in, in, you could ask my, either of my girls, and you could, ask, you could ask my boys, that you came to my house, you never found a Pepsi. Because I drank Cokes. I drank Cokes. Preferably the, the bottled Cokes were the best. In fact, can I tell you my victory story? Remember when Coke went through a recipe change back in the 80s, you know, and they, they, they made some new Coke? I'm happy to say that I lived in Haiti during that time, and they never changed the recipe there. So God was watching after me. One time, one time, I, as my girls, you know, I had two girls, still do, and as they were, <laughs> when they were young, you know, and they're still young. <laughs> How am I going to say this? When they were preteen, even, okay, and, and young teen, we used to do this thing where we'd have dad dates, you know, and a dad date was is that we would, I would take them out on a date, would go to dinner, and, or we'd go, many times, we'd go to the MOA, to the, the Mall of America. That was like a favorite MOA date. I'm sorry, Pastor Stephen, I set the trend back then. But in those days, we would go to the amusement, Camp Snoopy or whatever it was. It wasn't a shopping date. Things have changed. But anyway, um, <laughs> all right, so knowing that, one time Kara, Kara's my oldest girl, and one time she was writing a report for school, and she wrote about the day that she knew her dad really loved her. The day she found out her dad really loved her is that we were at the MOA, and she says, Dad, I'm thirsty. Could I have a soda? And, and back in that day, MOA was ruled by Pepsi. I said, what am I going to do? My girl wants a soda, and I'm in Pepsi land. I bought her a Pepsi. You see, because you can't let your identification with Coca-Cola be greater than your love for your kids. <laughs> it's true. This is true. So, you know, in life, it's, it's sneaky how things can creep up on you and try to steal your identity. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with Pepsi, with Coke, with Fords or Chevys. I'm not saying, I've, I've, I've drank all of it, I've, I've driven all of it, and they, they all make good things. But I'm telling you this, your identification with Jesus is where it's at. Now, in, in the Old Testament, there's a story I just want to refer to this, this morning. It's in the book of Daniel. And where I'm going is Daniel chapter 3. But where I'll start is telling you some things that come down in Daniel chapter 1. So Israel is, is under attack. 
Isn't that like the norm when we, we go back to the Old Testament? Israel is under, what was it, Micah said, I loved reading the Old Testament back in the day because there were so many wars and everything going on. And it seems like it every time you open it up there. But they're under attack and there's this, this king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, they, they overtook Jerusalem and they were ruling in, in the land. And, and Nebuchadnezzar, uh, you know, he... he uh, he set his people into Jerusalem to establish, you know, his reign. And the instructions that he gave him was to search out some of these young Israeli guys that looked like they were sharp dudes, you know, and to incorporate them into the Babylonian system, okay? So by incorporating them into the Babylonian system, you know, this is how it went down is, is they found these guys. They said, these look like good young men. And they began to teach them their ways. They began to try to uh, incorporate change in their lives. And, and really, they began to try to steal their identity. And, and one of the things they did is they changed their names. They took away their, their given names and they gave them Babylonian names. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to report that I can't even tell you that the, the three of their, their uh, Hebrew names, but their, Bab, their Babylonian names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because that just kind of rings off your tongue better, I think. Okay? There's songs written about it and stuff like that. But, but they, they, you know, they had them dressing like the Babylonians. They, they called them by Babylonian names. They were indoctrinating them into their way of thinking and their systems. And there came a time when they said, listen guys, we're going to feed you not just bad food or anything. Actually, they're going to give them food from the king's table. Same kind of things that the king ate, they're going to eat. Now really, that didn't sound so bad. I mean, a good steak, who, who is that going to hurt, you know? But, but they, they kind of drew a line, and they said, you know what, enough is enough, and, and, and we, we have a diet that we eat that goes with our, our you know, where we're from. This is our identity, and we want to eat this way. I'm kind of paraphrasing it all. And Daniel stood up. Daniel was the fourth one, and he stood up and said this. And, you know, they, they had been, uh, favor had been rising on their behalf. The, they, they stood out already. They, they could see that these young guys, they were sharp. You know, they, they knew things that, that were helpful to the Babylonian Empire, and, 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 and they stood out. And, and it, it makes me think when I, when I read these stories of Daniel and, and these three young Hebrew boys, that, that what would happen in a system where, where we were taken over you know, and, and, and brought under some reign of, you know, whoever, evil, and how would that affect us? Well, I tell you what, you keep loving Jesus. You keep being who you are, and God will cause you to rise up even in unfavorable circumstances. Some people say, well, you don't understand the job I have. I'll tell you, I think I am the only Christian at my work. I'm telling you, it's hard every day I go in. I tell you, you got the wrong perspective. You need to go into work every day and say, wow, I'm the only Christian. What an opportunity for light to shine through me. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Yeah, glory to God. I tell you, I, I love those opportunities. I love getting in places where, you know, maybe I'm the only Christian, you know, and go ahead and let it shine. Let it shine. Be you. Man, don't isolate yourself from the world, but stay true to who you are.
Stay true to who you are. You know, um, man, you know, you know, I've told this before, but when we started this church, you know, I took a secular job. And, and primarily because I wanted to keep supporting my eating habit, you know. And, and uh, I'd grown fond of that. And so I, I went to work at this place, and I was really in that kind of a situation where I was really the only Christian that I knew of. There might have been some that just weren't vocal, but they, I, was, I stood out because they knew from the get-go that I took this job because I was starting a church and that I was a pastor. And they, they all called me Pastor Paul. A couple of them called me Father Paul. <laughs> I didn't correct them. I said, well, sure, whatever, you know. But, but you know, God, God helped me in that situation and, and uh, gave me great favor. And, and uh, I loved it. Some of these guys were just so carnal, you know. They're, they're, I mean, carnal. They weren't carnal even. They were just sinners. And they were good sinners. You know, there's good sinners and bad sinners. And some sinners are better expressing what's on the inside of them than others, you know. And, and I had some that could really express it well. And, and I remember one night I had to go break up a fight, you know, right out on the, on the floor. And the sad thing was, is it was one of the foremen that reported to me who was supposed to be keeping charge of everything, you know. But, but you know, I took him back, and this guy was, you know, he was a lot taller than I was. A big guy, had really long hair. He kind of looked like Howard Stern. But, but you know, I, I got along good with him. Because I didn't try to be somebody I wasn't. I just let Jesus shine, you know. And, and he'd come and ask me, you know, what I was doing, you know, and I'd just tell him, you know, I was just praying. I was just talking to God about the night, you know, or walking around. And I, I even, he even knew I prayed in tongues. And he respected it. It wasn't weird. He just respected it. And, and uh, you know, the, 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 probably the, the, the climax of my impact there was we had a lady who passed away on the crew. And uh, she had cancer. That was a really sad time. But before she died... She got into a habit of calling me up from, from, from her home at night. And, and uh, she was going through a hard time. This lady, was, she'd lived a rough life, you know, lived in the bars. And, and you know, she, she had, life had taken a toll on her. But she started calling me, so I led her to Christ. And this lady, she was, she was so thrilled, she called back to the, the, the plant that I worked at and talked to people in the office and talked about this great conversation she had with the pastor. And she, never, she didn't know how to verbalize it. She didn't know what to say. But words started spreading through the whole place about, wow, Betty was her name. Betty had had this conversation with the pastor, and it changed her outlook on life, and she's dying of cancer. So much so that even the president of the company came down and talked to me about it one night. He just said, I heard you had a talk with Betty. I said, yeah, I've had a few. And, you know, he just, we went on. And, and anyway, the lady passed away. And, and um, they asked me to do the funeral because she'd never been to church. Or not re- frequently, anyway. So I did the funeral. I had the whole company there. And all the, the, the top people, the, everybody that worked with her, everybody. And I just, I just shared the gospel. I said, all right, I know you guys all heard about conversations that Betty and I had. I said, well, let me tell you what we talked about. And how you can know the same thing she knew. And we just, we just all, and I prayed with everybody. I tell you, it was tremendous. So, you know, I mean, that's not the best way to have somebody die. But I'm telling you what, you can shine 
wherever you're at. Where was I, Pastor Stephen? Okay. All right. So anyways, these guys, in the midst of all this, they, 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 they wanted to hold their identity. And they said, listen, we don't want to eat the food that you guys are giving us. We want to eat the diet that we're used to eating. And through some, some exchange of words, they agreed with them. But what happened was they, they continued to flourish. They continued to stand out amongst all the other peers. Then there comes a day in chapter 3 where King Nebuchadnezzar takes it to a whole new level. What he does is, you know, goodness, you know, you let, you let your flesh go. You let pride go. Man, you can get so stuck on yourself and it gets ugly. And King Nebuchadnezzar, what he did is he erected a gold statue of himself that was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide, solid gold. Now that brings a selfie to a whole new level. <laughs> and he brings this up, he sticks it up there in, in this platform, and then he calls for a big, a big party, a big revealing ceremony. And, and if you read this, and I encourage you to read it, I'm just kind of skimming it here, but, but if you do go and read it, you'll find this, that, that everybody that was of any importance in the land, of any race, color, creed, anybody of any importance was called to this big ceremony. I'm telling you, it was big. They probably had a red carpet laid out, and the guys were walking off the chariots and the paparazzi were taking pictures. Oh, look, look what they're wearing today. Oh, man, look who they're with. Oh, this. And they come in, and, and finally these people are all assembled there, and there's a big announcement made. They said, hey, listen. Listen to this, guys. You see the statue. And when the band plays, and they had a band assembled there with, it said that every Babylonian instrument had its place in this band. And when the band begins to play, it said that everyone will bow to this statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. And anyone who does not bow will immediately be thrown into a fiery furnace. Now, all this said, do you think that brought on any kind of pressure. Here you are. I mean, can you imagine the mindset of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I mean, we've already pushed for the food thing. Now, what are we going to do here? What are we going to identify with? The crowd? Or are we going to be who we're called to be? So... The, the trumpet blows and the, the band plays and everybody in the place bows down except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it might have gone unnoticed if it weren't for some, some soothsayers in the group that noticed and they brought it to the attention of the king and they said, hey king, are you going to let them get away with this? If we were going back to middle school, I'd say those guys were like the hall monitors of the group. You know what I'm talking? And they, they brought it to the king, and, and the king pulls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Sometimes, you, you know, I'm sure the king thought, man, sometimes you lay down these laws, and they're not so cool to enforce. He was probably hoping they weren't the ones, you know, that were going to defy it. So he brings them in, and, he's in, and even though he said immediately they'd be thrown into a furnace, he says, guys, I'm going to give you a second chance. 
I mean, this can play with a guy's mind right there. I'm going to have a second chance. Now I could bow. But you know what? They were identified with the Most High God. They said, King, oh, King. They said, this is the way it is. Whatever fate you have for us, we are not going to bow. Are there things in life that are trying to get you to bow? I'm telling you what. Bow to the King of Kings. So they went through the fire, and, and, and the thing that, that's so cool about it is that, that uh, they got into the furnace. I mean, every, you know, even the guys that threw them in there died because the flames were so hot. But the king was able to look in, and he said he saw the three of them walking around unharmed. And he said that there was a fourth image in the, in the furnace, and he was like unto the Son of Man. I'm telling you what, he wasn't just like unto it. It was Jesus walking with them in the furnace. And whatever kind of furnace the world throws us in, we can know this and we can be confident about it that Jesus is right there with us. And when they got to the other end of it, the king says, well, bring them out. Man, they, they're just, they're having a party in a furnace. Talk about a party in a parking lot. They had a party in the furnace. When you're walking with Jesus, you can have a party wherever you go. Just don't lose who you are. So they got to the other side of it and the king brought them out and he says, all right, guys, and, 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 and it, this is the thing I like about it on the other side of it. The king made note, he says, that even their clothing wasn't singed. And here's the great part. He says, and they didn't even smell of smoke. Wow, wow, wow. Some people have gone through the fire and they get to the other side, but the problem is everybody knew they went through the fire. Because there is an aroma of smoke. There is something about them, an air that's carried. But I'm telling you this, it is possible to identify with Jesus and even going through the fire, be unfazed. Wow, wow, wow. So, where are we? Let me go to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So, peer pressure. I mean, this stuff can be blatant. I mean, a 90-foot-tall, 9-foot-wide gold statue, that's blatant, man. Bow to that thing. I mean, you, you can't even, that's as big as a roller coaster standing there in front of you. But there are subtle things that can come and even seem innocent, but if you let them, they can rob you of your identity. They can rob you of power that God wants to demonstrate through you. Say, God wants to demonstrate His power through me. He does. He really does. So here's Paul. He comes to the church, or he writes to the church at Corinth. And, you know, these were, what do you think of the Corinthians, man? You guys ever spend any time thinking about them? I'll tell you what, they were a wild bunch. They were a wild bunch. They, uh, they knew how to party. That wasn't their problem, okay? They were, they were the kind that they swung from the chandeliers. If they had chandeliers, they would have swung from. They jumped over the pews. All that stuff's cool. But I'm telling you what, whatever you are in church, be that in real life. Talk about a pew jumper. Can I tell you a quick story? 
Dane and I were sitting in the front row of the last church that we were with in Minneapolis, and, and we had a, actually we had Mark Brzee was preaching. I don't know if some of you guys know who he is. And, and Mark, and it was a wild service. I mean, man, I'll tell you, I fell under the power in that service, and I, I, and I was raised up in that service, and I danced, danced a jig. Anyway, but uh, Mark gave an altar call for people to come forward, and, and, and there was a healing kind of thing. And there was a lady behind me who was, was up in years. And she was a real, how would I say it? She was a together-looking lady. And she had on these high, you know those high heels? Not, not mid-high, but high heels that I would never think of putting on. She had on these high heels. And, and uh, I know you're all relieved that I'd never think of that. <laughs> me too. Um, Anyway, in, our, in that church, we had pews. We had the full-blown pews because we had bought a, a, a sports center and we were doing everything we could to make it look a little more like a church. So we had the big pews with the big pads on them and all that. And I'm telling you what, this lady was sitting behind Dana and I. In one leap, she leaped over the pews and was the first one in line to get prayed for. And she got healed. One leap. It was supernatural. You couldn't even stand from a standing position jump that, you know. I couldn't do it with my tennis shoes on. She did it in high heels. <sighs> anyway, well, anyway, that had nothing probably. But anyway, these Corinthian bunches, they were wild. And Paul came there, and he's coming to address them. And in verse 3, he says, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So, wow, that guy knows how to deliver a message, doesn't he? You know, if he was preaching, he stands up here and he goes, listen, guys, I got stuff to say, but I can't even tell you because you're a bunch of babies. <laughs> you're carnal. Carnal, you know, not to be confused with caramel, which is an ice cream topping, but carnal basically means that they were ruled by their flesh and they were babies, okay? They were ruled by their flesh. They probably identified with everything that came down the way. You know, uh, they're influenced by things out here, not by God in here. He goes on, he says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you're not able to receive it, even now you're still not able. For you're still carnal, where there's envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You know, God has called you to a higher way to walk. He's called you to stand out in this world. He's called you to not just be a mere man, but to be a Christ man. And I'm not saying that in any kind of gender. Okay? I'm telling you this. He's called you to stand out and shine with his glory. So what did they, what do he goes on here. He says, for one of you says, I'm of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Are you not flesh-ruled? Are you not causing division among you? Now, let's, let's back it up a minute. Apollos, in case you're wondering, who was Apollos? Was he some kind of Greek god? Well, Apollos actually was a minister of the gospel, just like Paul. Okay? You'll find him in the book of Acts. He, he, uh, he, it says this about Apollos, that Apollos was a very eloquent speaker. What does that mean? He was easy to listen to. 
he could put forth the truth and people would receive it and accept it and, and, and it was cool. Was that a good thing? Yeah, yeah, it was a good thing. It was cool, he was a good man. I'd love to hear some of his messages, you know, on the archive section. Um, the Apostle Paul, you know, he said some people say you're there of Paul. Well, the Apostle Paul, you know, was a champion. He'd go from city to city and he'd proclaim the gospel and whole cities were, were, were I'll say it this way, they were turned right side up because of the ministry that Paul had. But these people took what God was doing and brought it to a base level and made it division. What did they do? They identified with a man instead of identifying with Jesus. You know, we could bring it down to today, you know, and say, uh, well, I'm of Copeland. I'm of Joyce Myers. I'm of Franklin Graham. I'm of Joel Osteen. All of whom are excellent ministers of the gospel. But the thing about it is what it gets into when we do that is it gets into pride. And it diminishes the power of God in our life. You see, knowledge can do a couple things. Knowledge can build you up or it can puff you up. Okay? And, and you can choose what you're going to let it do. In, in uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians... Um, Let me see it. 1 Corinthians 8. I'll just read this to you. 1 through 3. It says, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. So there's nothing wrong. I mean, I have been to some good meetings, planning to go to some good ones this summer. But what would be wrong is me to come back from a meeting all built up and identify with the minister. However good they were. We don't identify with them. We identify with Jesus. You know, you get in trouble when you identify with any man. Don't put people on that pedestal. Don't make them a 90-foot, you know, 9-foot wide gold statue. We may not bow to Nebuchadnezzar, but don't bow to some other man. Okay? Bow to Jesus. Now, when Paul, just talking about knowledge again, when Paul prayed for the church, I'll give you two examples. One is in Ephesians 3. Has anybody ever prayed Ephesians 3 for themselves before? Or maybe you've prayed Ephesians 3 for the church or your family. You know, Ephesians 3 is an example of a prayer that Paul prayed for the people, the church at Ephesus. And essentially, what he prayed in this prayer, well, I'll read you some of it. In verse 17, this is what he prayed. He says, that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. 
In other words, man, you'd be more aware of Jesus than you are anything else. You want to use your faith on something? You know, instead of just believing God for all our needs to be met, let's believe that, man, we'll be just, we'll walk in the knowledge that Jesus lives in me. Frankly, if you had the knowledge that Jesus lives in you, would we really be worried about a bill that needs to be paid? <laughs> I don't think so. So he says, I pray this for you guys, that Christ would dwell and manifest himself in your hearts through faith. Then he goes on, he says that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. And that you'd be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. And then he ends it here, he says, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, filled with all the fullness of God. You see, man, we need knowledge. We need the kind of stuff that Apollos was bringing to the body. We need the kind of stuff that Paul was bringing to the body. We need the kind of stuff that, that Copeland brings to the body. We need the kind of stuff that you bring to the body. But keep it in perspective and see that Jesus is Lord. Um, and again, in Philippians 1, verse 9, I'll just read this one quickly. It says, This I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you'd approve things that are excellent, sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, where, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You see, man, as we grow, as we grow in knowledge, we got to grow in love. Got to grow in love. Got to grow in love. Man, we don't want knowledge. We want knowledge to build us up but not puff us up. Here's the puff up. Yeah, well, I'm of Apollos. All you other Christian peons, you've got a ways to go. Oh, come on. That's not the way to think. It's not the way to act. That's not the way to demonstrate God. All right, I'm going to just end with this here. In Isaiah 60, I kind of alluded to this earlier in this message but Isaiah 60, this was just kind of ringing in my, it was funny, I was, I was thinking about it when I got up this morning, the scripture, and then I do these devotionals, and, and uh, I got to one of the devotionals I was doing, and it was the very scripture that was in it. And uh, so I said, wow, that's something there. It says, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Behold, the darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles, when he says the word Gentiles here, he just means people that don't know Jesus. People that don't have a covenant with God. So he says, those people are going to come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So we live in a, a world that's getting progressively darker but the good news is, is you and I are going to get brighter and brighter. You are the light that the world needs to see. Okay? And that light is going to bring people to Jesus. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.